Hello, I'm David and welcome to the Friday show on the 9320 player. Strangely being recorded on a Saturday, but giving us a chance to look back at the weekend, the week that was in Manchester City land, and also to preview City's first appearance in the FA Cup this season at home to Rotherham tomorrow. Joining me on today's show, we've got Lloyd. Morning, Lloyd. Morning, mate. You okay? Yeah, good, good, good week. Good, yeah, good, not bad. Good one to be doing this. Absolutely. And also Stefan. Morning, Stefan. Hi, how are you doing? Yeah, good, thank you. Not too bad, are you? Yeah, good, good. Excited about Rotherham. <laughs> That's <laughs> the big always, story, right? Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Well, we'll see after this podcast, we'll see if we're still saying that. Um, but to, to start, I've got an opening question. I'd like to start with you, Stefan, if I could. Um, given we've not heard from you on the pod this week, um, it feels like a, a really pivotal week in our season. Um, so what are your initial thoughts on, on how the land lies today compared to seven days ago? And really, did you honestly think that we'd be in this position that we are now? Uh, well, I mean, I, th- I think it was definitely dead if, if we'd have um, got beat uh, on Thursday. Um, and near certainly dead um, had we not beaten them. Because I think seven points against this Liverpool team is huge. Uh, I think everything changes when when it's four because it's you know it's it's a it can change extremely quickly. It changes in in, in one game, and you, obviously you can't you can't get over them. But but uh, one one game swings at even a draw. So um, it's back on. Did I think we'd be in this position? Well. No, because I wasn't expecting a Christmas like we had. I mean, the, you know, it it was it was a disastrous Christmas, and um, I don't think we we were that bad in in both the games. But uh, taken as a whole, it was. I don't, you know, I, th- I don't think we could have foreseen it would be so so bad at, so early on. So uh, obviously, a massive swing in 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 this result, and uh, we've saved football from. Uh, complete uh, uncompetitive Premier League runaway which is a bit ironic <laughs> yeah it is yeah um, Lloyd what about you um, <clears throat> to be honest I was it's difficult because after that after the Christmas period like Stefan said thick, you know heads were falling off people were rattled <clears throat> I was concerned Um I, I always thought we could pull it around, and to be honest, I did think we could get six points. But um, I must say, when that team came out before the Liverpool game at seven o'clock, my head did go a bit. Um, I'm very glad that you know it, it came out as it did. But I was confident. But equally, as Stefan said, I, you know, I thought if we if if it went to ten points, it was completely dead. Um, and even going into that, the Southampton game prior to that game. I hadn't felt that nervous about a kind of bog standardish Premier League game in a very long time, and then obviously the Liverpool game. You know there was serious nerves for that, but that's you know that's kind of expected, um, and it would have been similar even if we'd have been in a you know slightly better position. So I, it, I think we've done really well to come out of this week as we have. Um, I did think it was possible, but now to be signed this position, it's um, it's relatively sweet, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, it, it's just a, it shows when we're down to when we're now down to four points. As Stefan said, that the 
the feeling towards the, the situation when can change so quickly. And now with it down to four points, with you're right, it's one one potential fixture, and it's it spins around totally. Um, and it's not forgotten the two defeats over Christmas by any means because you know we're still we're still behind them. But um, there's just such a more positive feeling, which you know, granted, beating beating your your closest rivals is going to do that, but. Um, It'll be interesting to see how they react now, but um, let's let's pick out the two games specifically then. So, um, just briefly on Southampton, um, what, why do you think we were better in in that game? Was it was it simply down to Fernandinho returning and, and the return of David Silva, Stefan? Fernandinho, uh, certainly. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm not sure how much better we were versus. Versus the other game, the, the Palace and, and the Leicester game, you know, I think in many ways the game was very similar in that uh, I thought we'd started okay. Uh, obviously, we get the goal, which is exactly the same as the other two, the other two games. I thought Southampton were a notch below uh, Leicester. Uh, I thought Palace was a bit more of a freakish result. Um, but wow, did we kind of fade in that in that period? around the goal. Uh, and that was extremely concerning because um, even just before they scored, you know, the signs were there. And, um, mm. you know, I thought for, for, for the period between the goal and, and our two, two goals, um, I was concerned because, you know, we'd started well. We'd ta- not taken chances yet again. Easy chances as well. I mean, you know, Silver should score before he does. Um, and you know, these are chances we have to take in this position. So I was I was worried about it, uh, but obviously we you know those two goals at the end of the half were absolutely critical, and and then it was then it was a relatively simple simple straightforward game. Um, but look, that whole spell for me was, was concerning, and and there's I think there's multiple factors. Okay, um, Lloyd. Obviously, the, the, their equaliser, Southampton's equaliser, thinking back, comes back from uh, Zinchenko having the ball taken off him in, in, a, in a dangerous position. Did that game brutally underline the need for another left-back? I think it did, didn't it? I mean, um, I was I said this on the Southampton podcast. I was one of the people that thought, you know, maybe we could try and get away with it going into the season. But... You know, if you break it down, Mendy is, you know, in his time at City, he's in, he's, you can't classify him as anything other than a pretty injury-prone f- footballer. Delph is, you know, relatively injury-prone himself and also has a tendency to get sent off for quite rash tackles. It's happened a few times now in the last 18 months. And so that leaves us, you know, without without having a, a, a good kind of 18, 19-year-old left-back in the academy who's, you know, who's promising, a bit like using a kind of Trent Alexander-Arnold or something. Which, by the way, yeah. the manager would not use anyway. I mean, come on. Yeah. <laughs> if it- no, he probably he probably, <clears throat> he probably wouldn't, but I mean, we're, we're using, you know, I think Zinchenko's a good player, but he's, he, he you know, he's not a left-back, and I think that's kind of why when he makes mistakes in that position, I, I'm, I can never really be too critical of him because... Um, he's doing a job for the team, really, because we're down on numbers. Uh, so yeah, I think it, it has underlined it. And um, it, Delft's red card tendency is something that 
yeah, that's that's kind of come to the fore a little bit in that game for me because it's just so not the first time it's happened. He did a really poor tackle as well in the uh, in the Palace game as well, which he could have been sent off for. So, yeah, I think he has underlined a need for a left back, and yeah, we probably do need to move for one. But the the converse is, you know, you get Delft back um, now after this Rotherham game. Um, that gives us a bit more breathing space, but we've still got the Mendy problem. So we probably, yeah, we probably should be, we probably should be signing someone. Um, and it, unlike with central mid, central midfield, it, it is a position that if we really wanted to force a deal through, we probably could. Um, and it would be, you know, it would be such a shame to to lose out on fine margins in you know big Champions League games or big Premier League games, kind of towards the end of the season. If 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 that was the main, I, th- I think this spell has for me. I think they must be trying to do a deal. Uh, I, I can't, you know. So ironically, I don't. I don't think the Zinchenko uh, mistake against Southampton is actually a particularly good example of a fullback mistake. It's actually a central midfield mistake. He's played it. The ball that's played into him is pretty poor, uh, and obviously he makes a dreadful mistake. But it's not about him being a fullback. Actually, the thing that was most concerning about being a fullback was the penalty that that's not given. That was where his yeah. his kind of inability to understand that position properly and to play as a defender was 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 more marked. And actually not in when he lost loses the ball in midfield. But when you add those things together you just talked about, you know, the Mendy injury that that I mean the second injury comes from nowhere. I mean he doesn't even come off in the game previous and then all of a sudden he's out for ten weeks. Um you've then got Delph, who one is not playing well anyway, quite apart from uh, the situation with with this with his um, with his fouls and the mistakes that he's made in these games. So so that's point two. Uh, and then you've got uh, Zinchenko, who you know he recovered well, but we know he's not a fullback, as you just say. So I think now there's no. I don't think we can debate it anymore. I was always like you, somebody who felt we could probably get through the season, but but that was obviously dependent on on Mendy. I think we've we've now we're going to have to try and find somebody, um, and for me the final nail was was actually the Delph uh, situation. Another mistake. I, I don't think it was the worst mistake in the world. I mean, everybody thinks it is against Leicester. I, I think it's one of those things, but it, but it is another mistake clearly. And then layered on top of that, the reckless challenges and his inability to keep his head in these situations. I think that's the end of it. And um, and now they've got to find somebody. And it has to be, for me, it has to be either a release clause or an experienced um, low-value transfer because I don't believe that, that they're going to be able to do a deal, for example, for Chilwell. Is, is there anyone that jumps out at either of you as a potential option? Well, everyone talks about that Betis guy who's got a release clause, don't they? Um, I don't know. I, I, you know, I'm not, I've not watched these guys um, mm. I don't watch a lot of you know Spanish football, so I don't know if he's any good at all. But it's going to have for me. It has to be a release clause um, because if we're in a negotiation, I mean, you just look at these transfers for um, Solanke uh, yeah. and uh, and Hudson, the, the Chelsea guy. We, we, we've we've moved into another phase of the transfer world where players that haven't played any games. I mean, Brahim as well. Players that haven't played any games. Um, and a pure potential now are between 15 and 30 million, even when their contracts are running down. So it's going to have to be a release clause deal. 
Yeah, Lloyd, anyone for you? I Well, I like Chilwell um, personally, but I can see why City would be reticent to, to move because it really he's only been hot for 12 months um, and he is still playing for Leicester. So it is a punt in that you know, you're gambling on him going up a level. I've To be honest, I think... There's, I think he might be able to. A lot of other people have been saying um, Celtic's left-back, Tierney, uh, I've not seen enough of him. Um, but everyone that has says that he's absolute dynamite and is better than Chilwell. So, but I think he's very difficult to get out of Celtic and he's turned down moves before. Um, so yeah, it's difficult. I, I agree with Stefan. I think it's probably, you, it would have to be January buys are often release clauses like Laporte or you're going to need to blow someone out of the water with money a bit like um, Liverpool did with Van Dijk or we'd need to go and say to Celtic you know 50 million but that's a big risk um, in January um, and if you're only trying to paper over the crack say for six months I mean really you need to be buying someone a bit like with Laporte you, it should be trying to move a deal forward that you're going to do in the summer instead of just panicking and going for someone that's available um, so yeah it's difficult but um, they should definitely be looking at it and I think you know, I think they must be now after what's happened in the last kind of you know month or so. David, have you yeah, got any it, ideas? Um, for for a left back, no, and I, I, don't, I personally don't think we'll do anything. Um, I'm I'm agreeing with you two that uh, I think they should be a, at least looking at it, and I can't believe uh, I'd be worried if they're not looking at it. Um, but I I don't think they will. Um, I think. <sighs> Looking back to last season, there were there were signs there with Delph, and I'm trying to not to be, you know, hindsight police, but um, we got away with it at times with Delph last season. Um, he he played really well, um, and he was a great option for us uh, out of nowhere, really. But there were still mistakes there last season, but because we were so good and so much better than everyone else uh, that they, they were kind of forgotten about, and that was always a that's always a danger, and it's been a danger for City when we've won titles previously. Um, that we've not been proactive in that in that summer uh, in the summer afterwards and and obviously we haven't been on on this occasion you know you can put that down to being a bit unlucky with Mendy but you know after an ACL it's 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 not uncommon for a player to pick up another another injury that keeps them out for a period of time granted 10 weeks is probably longer than usual but we were never going to be able to rely on Mendy for the full season um, I think it would be three quarters of the season tops um, and therefore we were going to have to play these players more um, and I, it obviously is highlighted more when the team is a little bit low on confidence and we're going through a little bit of a bad patch um, it, it's highlighted even more but um, I, 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 again I like I do like Chilwell um, but there's no one really that jumps out as me as a a kind of realistic target for for us in January. Um, I hope to see something, but I'm 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 not holding my breath personally. Yeah, I just don't see Chilwell as a doable deal. I mean, you know, you'd be talking about the first move of the new of the chairman's son in in the driving seat. His first move is really to sell Chilwell. I find that you know when they're not safe and. I just I, I don't know. I'd be very very surprised. That you know, I think the other possibility is that he finds somebody experienced that knows the position and uh, obviously gives us nothing going forward, but actually is just a bit of a a more solid base to have uh, in that position. And I don't think that's a crazy idea. Um, Obviously, it's not easy to to find who that player might be. Um, 
but uh you know i don't the, those sorts of deals are also more doable um th- than the others yeah you're kind of looking for someone who's almost a backup at a a big club but you'd still be confident in in doing a job um it may be one for a scout report that um so I'll leave that one to you, Asam, when you uh, when you get the opportunity. I mean, there's just um, one thing that I. The, so the reason that I've switched from from where David is in terms of uh, that I think they will do a deal, or or, or be or be trying extremely hard to do a deal is is if actually if you look at what's happened on the other side with Walker and Pep's yeah. sort of lack of, um, he, he just reached his. He's reached the edge with Walker, and uh, and and which is why we haven't seen him now for three games. Obviously, he came on, but you know he's he's. I think um, I think Pep is somebody who sort of puts up with it and puts up with it, and then when it when it goes wrong, you don't see the player for a while. And I think that's what's going to happen with uh, with Delph. He's really let the team down. He let the team down last season. At, uh, and this is more on the red cards, actually, more than the defending for me. He's let the team down at Wigan, unnecessary, totally unnecessary challenge, and then he's done the same again, and, and he's got away with a couple of others as well. So I don't think he's going to put up with that. It's an interesting one to watch for those two fullbacks because my reading of Walker, um, I, might, I might be wrong, but my reading was that he hasn't had a... Um, he obviously had a really good season last season. He had a long World Cup because of Danilo's injury. Um, when when we've returned, he has he's had to come back straight away, and he hasn't had a a, a real breakthrough. Um, now Danilo's fit. We're potentially picking up opportunities where we can rest him. Granted, his form definitely dropped off the edge of a cliff. There's no doubt about that. Um, but I I wondered whether this is just. You are out. You're out of the team for two, three weeks just to to kind of get your head together to fully. This is your your kind of mid season break. You know, we are, I'm not saying he's putting his feet up on the beach in Dubai, but um, he's not got that stress of back to back Premier League games or two in three days and stuff like that. So it'll be it'll be interesting when we see the the, the cup teams um, for the for the games coming up and then back to the Premier League. But but you know. Back a couple of months ago, if we're playing Liverpool at home and both right backs are available, I don't think many of us would would have thought that Danilo would be an overwalker. So that might be that may blow my theory. Well, look, it's a good segue into the game, right? So you yeah, know, I still think even with the looking back on it, I still think uh, it's quite an amazing call to play um, to play Laporta left back um, and. Um, you know, I think it's a big message for Walker. So that's why I'm, I'm not totally sure that it's just about giving the guy a bit of rest. I mean, it's it's a really big call to say I don't trust Walker enough to move, or, or obviously there's a Danilo factor there, but I don't trust Walker enough uh, to move Danilo to left back so I can play Laporte. I'm going to play Danilo, and um, I, I I was I was surprised by it, and I still don't particularly think it worked with Laporte. It might be controversial, but I don't. I don't think we were that great down um, down that side. I don't think he looked that comfortable. We weren't exposed. I accept that, but I don't think it worked. Is that what you thought he would do, Stefan? Play Danilo left back, Walker right back? Yeah, I thought it was the only option in the end. Right. Okay. Um, Lloyd, what about you? When you, uh, I think. 
we've, we we all tweeted um, around seven o'clock uh, when we saw the team that we were a bit concerned. And your phrase, Lloyd, was that he's he's potentially has overthought it, which is something that um, we've potentially seen him do on a couple of occasions uh, during his time at City. Um, that that was the case for you. Then you thought it was a, an overthink at the at the back. <clears throat> yeah, definitely. I mean, I was happy to be wrong in how the result and the performance manifested itself. But at 7pm, I thought it was another kind of Guardiola, yeah, over, overthinking as he as he has in, you know, big Champions League games. I thought he did it in the Carabao Cup final last year with Gundogan again. He, you know, he's done it a few times at Bayern. Um, but I think my biggest problem with those kind of uh, team selection moves is I, I always think you should disrupt as many um key and comfortable positions as possible and by moving you know Laporte's our best centre-back so you're moving you're disrupting centre-back uh, you're bringing in Vinny you know Vinny actually had a, a very good game and actually in possession which is the one thing I was really concerned about he was actually very secure um, but you're disrupting centre-back you're then disrupting left-back as well so you're kind of muddling with two positions which always leaves me a bit uneasy um, and you're putting two people in you know, and Danilo had a great game, but you know, you a bit like Stefan. I would, I thought it would have been Walker, Stones, Laporte, and Danilo, and you know, I would have been much more comfortable with that. And like Stefan, to be honest, I I do agree. I don't think, you know, I thought Laporte did relatively well in that he was very disciplined and didn't really move off Salah. And the only time Salah really got in behind him. Um, or he didn't really keep his position was for that Mane chance he got pulled out way too quickly but that's because Salah got into the midfield so I can kind of understand it but that's not what you want from a left back um, but you know he was doing a bit like Zinchenko he's doing a job for the team and it was a good enough job on the day and you know the, the I thought the team performance as a whole was as we'll come on to say I thought was fantastic so yeah very glad to to see that I was I was slightly wrong well, we've there was a obviously the review podcast that Asan and the boys did yesterday, um, that looking at the the intricacies of the game. So I'd like to take a bit of a an overview, really, uh, rather than looking at the specifics. So um, we've obviously had a few days to digest what what we're seeing. We may have uh, had the opportunity to see it back. Um, Stefan, how good do you think City's performance was? Um. I thought it was it was it was very good in a very tough Champions League level game against a really good team, and um, you know I don't think technically it was at our best. I don't think we murdered them. Uh, I just think it was it was a fantastic competitive top top level game. With a lot of pressure that we had to win, uh, where our key personality players came to the fore, um, and um, and so you know in that respect it was it, it was a, a it was a great win. Um, I think we played much better uh, technically over the last two years, um, but I'm not sure that we at any point over the last two years have had that combination of mentality and performance in the way that we did. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Um, I think it, a lot came down to the the character of the team and um, the 
I think you you saw it very early on. Um, I think in the first few minutes, Mane received the ball. I think it was for for Malison, and uh, it, Fernandinho just went through him. Um, <laughs> subtly enough, so he couldn't, he wasn't going to get booked. But um, and Mane stood up as if he was going to, you know. Hug Fernandinho and, you know, all be friends. Fernandinho wasn't having any of it. And he, he set the tone. I think him and Aguero specifically set the tone for the performance. Um, and, it, and it was, it was almost, it was frantic at times, but we, I, I think we went up and down in levels and, and managed the, the occasion really, really well. Um, Lloyd, what about you? Yeah, I thought, to build on what Stefan said, I think the thing is with, with playing Liverpool is we've, We've not really managed it properly um, in Pep's time, apart from that 5-0, which was written off wrongly at the time by Liverpool fans and the press for being a total anomaly. anomaly. It wasn't, but you know there are, there are um, kind of factors that you can pull away from that game that, you know, that don't damage City, but you know, I think you can couch it in a certain sense. Whereas this was a, definitely our best performance against them. <clears throat> and I do think, the difficulty is, um, is, I think it's very difficult to play a really high technical level uh, game against this Liverpool team because I think they don't, <clears throat> they don't really allow you to do it and I'm not sure it's the best way to beat them as well. And actually, um, their, their midfield, which is a very industrious midfield, has caused us a lot of problems in the past just by basically not outplaying us but just overrunning and just with intensity just basically battering through and Fernandinho and our centre-backs have often really struggled with it so I thought this was really encouraging because from minute one you could see the desire and the intensity that was there we were smashing into tackles um, but yeah I just don't I think the interesting thing is we haven't really seen this type of a kind of dynamic competitive aggressive performance from from a City team under Pep yet um, and I've I've always had a, <clears throat> a bit of doubt in my mind whether we could play a game like this where it is a real kind of boxing match, um, really fine margins uh, and get through it basically on kind of aggression and a bit of organisation and dynamism. So that in itself, I think, is really encouraging for Champions League games moving forward and kind of latter stages because that is the kind of performance we're going to need against, uh, you know, a Barcelona, a, a PSG, a Madrid in the kind of final stages. I think there's quite a few factors that come together there. You know, you've got, you've got company on the field... And I, I, you know, I think the company foul and and, and other fouls that he's committed in games um, of this nature are a problem, and we'll maybe come back to that. But but when it when he doesn't go, um, and when he plays like that kind of brave heart leader, added to you know one of the greatest central midfield performances probably any of us have ever seen in terms of Fernandinho's performance, added to one of the best mixed um, kind of creative and work performances of Bernardo plus Aguero working in, you know, in a big game way, plus the crowd being really up for it, plus the nature of the game. All of those things coming together made it one of those nights um, yeah. and, and one of those games. Now, you can't do that very often. You know, you're not going to have all of those things coming together very often. Um but yeah, I agree with you. It was nice to see that we actually had it. I think what's interesting for me is actually, if you think about the way we played in that first half in the Champions League, we're actually much better. 
you know, in the, in the home game. We, we were really incredible in that in that first half. Um, and had we got the second goal, who knows what would have happened. Uh, we weren't anywhere near that level from a footballing perspective uh, on Thursday. No. The, dif- the difference with that, though, is that it's that's kind of a two-legged... It's different in a two-legged game because Liverpool are approaching it differently. And whilst it was a, there are parallels with that in, the, in this, they didn't go for us because they obviously have that kind of cushion in the league. Um, and I think we'll, you know, we'll talk about Liverpool in a minute. It's, I think it is, it is slightly different in that it's not a, a de facto two-legged game. So that their approach is always going to be a bit different. Yeah, but I meant, I meant by the time we get past the first leg and we're, talking, we're looking at the, the Etihad game where we're 3-0 down, it's actually, in some ways, it's a similar scenario in that Liverpool can sit back, right? We've got to make all the play. Um, obviously, when we score, it's slightly different in that Liverpool then do need to come out a little bit. But if you think about the way Liverpool played in that first half, I, I don't think for, the, for all of uh, Anfield rap and what other Liverpool fans are talking about and the fact that the ball comes off the line, I mean, they were very quiet. You know, they, they didn't create anything until the one off the line. Um, and let's remember, it's off the line because Stones boots it onto Edison, not because, obviously, Sane could score, uh, sorry, Mane could score, but um, the actual incident that leads to the goal would have been a calamitous goal. It wouldn't have been, you know, they would have been lucky to score the goal. So, um, and they, do, they don't really do anything else in that half, not, not that I can recall. What did you make of Liverpool's, like, as their, their performance as a whole, like a global performance? Because I... Having watched it back, I actually thought they were they were pretty poor. Uh, well, I, I watched it as I was watching. I was thinking this Liverpool team is a really good team because although I thought we were we were the better team, we we weren't really getting we weren't testing them anywhere near enough. I was I was happy enough with it because I think we're playing a very good team, but we weren't you know we weren't creating a great deal. Uh, we were seeing very little of of the goal. Um, but I was pleased that we were relatively comfortable and didn't think that Liverpool were creating, you know, much of a problem. And then you see them switch very quickly in the move, uh, and that was obviously very concerning. So it would have been, you know, if they'd have scored, it would have been a perfect half for Liverpool. So I was kind of, you know, I'm a bit confused in what I've just said. I thought that I think they're very, very good, you know, and I've thought they were very, very good all season. And uh, yeah, of course they've been fortunate in certain games. But I don't think this is the real deal. This Liverpool team, and um, oh, definitely. I, I, you know, I I I rewatched um, on the back of that Anfield rap thing, and I, I watched the whole of the Anfield rap thing. So should get a special uh, gold star for that <laughs> um, for persistence. Uh, and they, they kind of made out that there was a period around the goal and after the goal and before our second goal that they were they were really on top and they were you know uh, really causing us problems. It just wasn't true, you know, watching it again. So there was no real period of the game um, where Liverpool were were causing us major problems. So I think overall you have to say that they weren't great on the day, uh, but they are very good. I I agree with that. I think um, I think a lot's been too much has been made of um, of Liverpool's performance. I think they had after the move where Mane hits the post, they had a, potentially a five minute spell, but then after that. Uh, City got control again and uh, w- almost camped in Liverpool's final third. 
there were a few occasions where our final pass went awry and Fernandinho won it back and then we went again and, and that seemed to repeat three or four times in a row. Um, after they after they equalised again, I think it was I don't think it was any more than five minutes, and and then obviously the the long ball stuff at the end, which is kind of going to happen when we've put that much into the previous ninety minutes, um, and the players are kind of just out on their feet after after such an effort. So there were there were three spells of five minutes for me. I'm not saying that we were on top for the the other seventy five minutes by any means of of like bombarding them, but. Yeah, I, I thought we were better placed for those seventy-five minutes than, than they were, and they had, as I said, those those five-minute spells. Um, if we if we move on a, a little bit, um, and and at, so after the game, we're, we're now down to four points. The gap um, we've we've mentioned we've got the FA Cup this weekend, and then City have the um, Carabao Cup semi-final first leg in the week. So Liverpool not playing in the Premier League for another ten days is that? A bad thing or a good thing for us, Stefan? Um, I think I'd like them to have had a tricky game on straight after in the league. I think they, w- I think they would have rocked. I think they'll get beat by Wolves, by the way. So, you know, I think that'll that that will be an indicator that it would have been better if they'd have had a league game. I fancy them to go out of the cup, and I think you know we'll talk about what does it mean for the title. Um, I think we should talk about it. In the- if they do go out in the uh, and given their Champions League in the context of, of of what's going to follow in terms of our fixture congestion versus theirs, but uh, but that's speculation. So, look, in short, you want them to play a, a tricky league game straight away. I'm not sure Brighton away is is quite what I've got in mind, but um, really any away game. But it is what it is, you know. And, and actually, they play first on um, when they do play. We we don't play. Are we on Monday night, actually? Yeah. So, yeah. you know, they can go back to seven points. And uh, and that's why I think, when, you know, when it's a four-point lead, the order of games can sometimes be interesting as well. Because if it, let's say we'd have played 12.30 on Saturday uh, and we win, you know, you're a point behind as they go into their game. But this way around, if they get their win against Brighton, they're seven points again and there's a lot of pressure on us. So, um very long-winded answer to your question. Yes, I would have liked them to have played very quickly. Yes, I think they're going to get... Uh, they'll find it difficult in the next game. Um, but, uh, you know, look, it's, there's, there's a lot of games left and, and we've got ourselves comfortable that four points is, um, is something that we can come back from. Yeah. Lloyd, so the next five for both, obviously we've said that City have got the, the FA Cup and the Carabao Cup. The next five in the Premier League for City... Wolves at home, Huddersfield away, Newcastle away, Arsenal home, Chelsea home, uh, Liverpool's next five, uh, Brighton away, Palace at home, Leicester at home, West Ham away, Bournemouth at home. Um, obviously, this the City's uh, the, the fourth and fifth out of those fixtures, Arsenal and Chelsea uh, at home, are, are really big games for City. Is there anything else that jumps out, particularly in Liverpool's run? Um, no, I think they're they're fortunate in the games that they've got running off the back of this result. To be honest, I, like Stefan, I was discussing this with with Stanley. I was I was kind of saying, you know, I, I want I wanted them. I think it's a shame that they didn't have a Premier League game so soon because I think you know it would be really interesting to see how they respond. Even even Brighton away, just to see how they respond. 
And, you know, we've seen from what happened uh, over kind of December how easy it is when you lose one, you know, three points can very quickly become six lost. Um, and, you know, we lost to Palace at home and no one would have thought that would happen. And that was one of the kind of biggest shocks um, from the bookies sense in the in the last kind of 15 years in the Premier League. So these things can happen. And, you know, like a West, West Ham away, you know, it could, they could get rattled. Um, but like Stefan says, I think it's important that they stay, they stay in as many competitions as possible because with accumulation of games comes accumulation of injuries. And I, I think, you know, we've done, given the injuries we've had, we've done really well um, to be in the position we are. And if, you know, if you took a, you know, we, we, we're getting into, you know, ifs, buts, maybes, but if you take a De Bruyne equivalent out of that Liverpool team for half the season, you know, I don't think they'd have, they'd have managed as we have and they have been fortunate and yeah okay you can go through a season where you just don't really get any key injuries like Leicester did in their title season but Leicester weren't playing in any of the competitions so that's why I think it's key that you know they stay in hopefully the FA Cup they stay in the Champions League and they they get stretched because you know they last season they were fantastic in the Champions League but they basically gave up the Premier League from around March and it's a completely different thing just being in the Champions League in March, still being in a title race, potentially being in a cup, we've dealt with that before. They haven't, um, so that's now where we're going to see, you know, how, how good's their mentality and how good is their squad when they're having to play and chop between different games. I mean, so there's two things on this. One, I, I do worry about them going out of those those cups, and uh, you know, Bayern is a very tough game. Um, notwithstanding, Bayern are not great at the moment, but but I, I do think. Um, I do think it's a really hard game for them, um, and obviously Wolves away is in the cup is probably the worst game you can get right now. Uh, you know, Wolves are going to be. I would think Wolves are going to play a full team. Liverpool are clearly not going to play a full team. He's going to try and get away with it, but can you get away with it in that game? I think. I think that you know they could easily go out. So. Um, that's that's going to be a big problem for us if they don't don't have anything to run at. The second thing though that I thought was interesting, I don't know if anybody saw the Klopp piece that he did on just before the game on um, on uh, Thursday, and I think he said, if I was hearing correctly, that he was concerned at the start of the season that because of the World Cup, that players wouldn't be able to play more than say forty games. Um. And that's interesting in the context of how many games one they've already played with almost not no rotation, and two how many games are still left. Uh, and if he's right that actually they're going to come to a crunch where these players can't play every week, that's going to things are going to change at Liverpool, um, and he's going to have to rotate players in and out more, uh, particularly in that back four. And um, that's going to be interesting. You know, Van Dijk is obviously key. He can rotate the midfield. Um, he can't rot- He doesn't have anybody of the Van Dyke level to rotate, and th- there is a big drop off up front as well. So, I think that's going to be an interesting situation for Liverpool. I think if they go out of both trophies, it makes them firm favourites. It's an it's an interesting one. I think Lloyd, you make a good point about um, the fixture that follows. Um, I, I think that's really important, and I think if you look. Um, in around those the Bayern fixtures um, in between the two legs they're away at United um, which I think is quite a 
that's obviously quite a big uh, big deal for yeah, them. It's significant, that. Yeah, um, in between they've got the Merseyside derby as well. Um, so it's it's. I think that is that could potentially be significant. Um, but I I agree with both of you. Going back to um, the original question about uh, whether it's a, a good thing that they've got a, a break from the next Premiership game. I I, I don't think it is um, for us. I, I'd have much preferred them to be playing again this weekend. And I think alongside that, uh, and I don't think we can avoid the the Liverpool fallout from um, from the game on uh, Thursday. I think we've had. Petitions for goal line technology to be reviewed. Um, I think we've had Vincent Company was a nailed on red card and he should be banned for eight games for his little greeting to Salah when on the floor. Uh, we've even had the grass was too long. Um, <laughs> this this meltdown it, is this what is this one of the reasons why um, many neutrals were supporting City on Thursday, Lloyd? Hundred um, percent. It's why the country's coming together. Um, it is they are they are a unique um, fan base and they are a unique kind of cult. I think Stefan before has said they're almost a bit like a religion, and um, it is it is bizarre. And their reactions often to to things are are strange. And it's just it's it is it it's also particularly weird given how you know there are parallels in our games last season. You know, with the penalty on Sterling and Salah being, you know, eleven millimeters offside, and but you know that's just you know completely forgotten about and never happened. Um, but you know when it's uh, when it's when it's happened like this and they've been done over, it's you know they've always they've always have to have been done dirty. Um, they've got to look for the the external factor that's that's buggered them. Um, so I'm very much enjoying it. I hope it continues. And yeah, I, I think it's exactly why the uh, the rest of the league are so. Vehemently behind. Well, you've got uh, if you look at the Van Dyke uh, a company. I, I think company. If I'm being on it, I didn't think it at the time when he when I watched it first time. But but I think on replay, you should it is a red card. But then I thought the same on Van Dyke, and you know against Napoli, it swings and roundabouts. These things happen in games, and you know football at the highest level is about fine margins. It's not it's not a new thing. It's not a new. Uh, a new discovery and Liverpool treat it like they're the first team to ever nearly score a goal I mean <laughs> you know it's just total nonsense uh, the pitch thing is just bizarre and I, I'll have to hope that the petition is some kind of joke um, because it, it's obviously ridiculous um, but you know they're a weird bunch I mean there's no you know and that's why the Anfield rap is is, is so big that's why the guy that writes those match reports does it in a way that looks like a sermon um, because you know the, the, it is a weird that's why after these games they've got these gigs now have you seen this thing where they go to some club and play LA 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 with a guitar I mean yeah the whole thing is is a lot like uh, is, is a lot like a religion and and, uh, and a cult and uh, but you know good luck to them I mean I think it works well um, it, at certain times you know those famous nights under the under the lights but will it, it the, I think the, the the big question is though Stefan do you is this do you think this could suffocate them as it did kind of towards the end of that 13 14 season because I take that this team is a lot better and Klopp's a much better manager but the hysteria and the kind of giddiness uh, I just think could definitely suffocate them come March 8th. I don't know. I, I think it may take a lot out of them in terms of emotionally it may take a lot out of them. But 
you know, you, you have to ask whether it really did suffocate them in, in 13, 14, is it 13, 14? Um, mm-hmm. Did it suffocate them or really were we actually a lot better than people give us credit for in terms of our consistency at the end of the season? Plus, you know, one dreadful, one of those things that happens, they played Chelsea. Well, you know, we know what Chelsea are like. Chelsea can beat people and have done over the last 10 years in similar situations. They're a very hit and miss uh, team. So, you know, even if they're having a bad season, they can still go and beat you. And the guy slips. Just one of those things. And then, you know, Crystal Palace. Okay, well, you know, they're 3-0 up. These things happen. I don't I don't think Liverpool exploded because of the weight of expectation. I know I know it's easy, but I think we need some credit for what we did in that season as well. Uh, if you remember, first of all, we were brilliant in the first half of the season and, and we were consistent at the end when we needed to win games. You know, we all kind of remember Everton away, just like, oh yeah, well, we turned up and won the game. Well, Hang on a minute. We were goal down after 15 minutes. We mm. came back and won the game. You know, it's these these were big wins, and um, so I think we need to give ourselves a bit of credit for it. But um, I think I think, as I say, I, I'm not sure if they if they go out of both the cups um, and particularly Champions League, I'd feel uh, I'd feel very confident for them. Um, and the emotion, I think they'll be able to handle it. I, I, actually. Um, I think injuries are a far bigger threat to their to, to their situation. Well, let's um, let's move on a bit now because I think that's a, a decent look back at um, at the last week. And can't forget the city have got a, another game tomorrow um, uh, at home to Rotherham. Um, just speaking about the FA Cup generally, uh, Lloyd is third round weekend still a big deal in the football calendar. I like it. Yeah. Um... Although, as as I've said on a few podcasts, um, for me, the kind of the Carabao Cup actually has taken a lot more kind of prominence in in my head, uh, purely because I, I like the way it's it's formatted. I like the semi finals. I like the way it comes earlier in the season and it gives you a potential for a trophy in February and a day out to Wembley. Um, and you know, I think you know, I think we're pretty pretty good favourites to beat Burton. So I think we'll be in another final and it'll be another trip to Wembley. But no, I do I do like I do like third round and you know seeing shocks and big teams go out, etc. is always is always good fun. And the other thing now with kind of scheduling and the fact that the FA Cup has really been pushed to this first week in, in Jan, um, is it often means that, you know, we get to see some of the young players and that's something that I obviously as everyone will know, really enjoy. So, yeah, no, it's, it's still something I look out for. Okay. Um, so if I'm, I've, I've picked out five fixtures that I think potentially could cause us a shock, I don't I don't think it's the most exciting third-round draw I've ever seen. Um, no, it's not the best, no. is it? So we've got Liverpool away at Wolves, Spurs, um, Wallop Tranmere last night, United at home to Reading, um, Chelsea at home to Forest. Arsenal away at Blackpool, and obviously City have got um, rather than there the, the, the general the, the bigger teams fixtures. So the, the fixtures I've put uh, plucked out, um, I'd like you to both um, uh, have a look and see which one you think is has got the biggest chance of a shock and why. So I've got Burnley v Barnsley, West Ham v Birmingham, Everton v Lincoln, Palace v Grimsby. And Newcastle v Blackburn. Is there any there, Stefan, that you think may may result in a shock? 
no. <laughs> I, I suspect I don't. I, I think all of the all of those teams, all the big teams, will win those games. Probably Newcastle, maybe. But uh, a lot of it, you know, the thing about the third round now, and notwithstanding what what Lloyd just said, is the teams that people play. You know, you just don't. You don't actually know what the fixtures look like. Yeah. And we've got the same with City actually today uh, or t- tomorrow. You know, I don't know what we're going to do. It's a really he's got a really tough call. So. You know, Burnley, all of those teams should win. They should win comfortably. But what teams are they going to play? But I think on yeah. balance, they'll win. Okay, Lloyd? I think the two, I think, well, one of the big shocks or shock in inverted commas is what Stefan referred to before, which is Wolves beating Liverpool. I mean, it's not a shock in that, you know, they're a small team, but I think that could be... That could definitely that happen. Wasn't on the, that um, wasn't on the list he just gave you. <laughs> no, I know. I know. I'm, I'm, I'm moving outside the parameters. Um, but no, on the list, I think maybe Everton-Lincoln because Everton have been quite poor of late. Results have slipped and Lincoln have got previous in this competition. They've got that Danny Cowley um, who's their manager. Um, so maybe that. They went quite far last season, didn't they, Lincoln? I yeah, think. they went. I don't know whether it was last season or the season before, but yeah, they got to, they got yeah, they got quite quite far. I think they got to like quarters. quarters yeah. Played Arsenal. I tell you yeah. something. If they do get beat, Everton, uh, I think uh, Silver's in real trouble. Yeah, I think he could, could already be in. Well, I think he's in trouble anyway. Yeah. But I think you know that's the sort of game where you you know that's a banker. Uh, the mm. FA Cup is even more important to an Everton than it is to some of the other teams. Um, uh, and so if they were to, if they were to go out, uh, that would be, I think that would be very significant for them. And obviously we're playing them. I mean, when you looked at the next five games, they're our sixth game. And I think they're Liverpool's seventh right. of, the, of the next run. So, you know, they're interesting for, it's interesting for both of us. Obviously, the Liverpool thing is trick. I think it's trickier for Liverpool just because, uh, just because of the Derby thing. But um, it could have an influence. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, let, let's move on and let's finish up with um, a look at the Rotherham game. Then, um, Lloyd, are you expecting a heavily rotated team. Yeah, I think I think it has to be after the um, after the Christmas period and after the week. I think this week will have taken a lot out of. You know the key players, and there's no way the likes of Fernandinho, Bernardo Silva, you know all the all the main guys will be playing. I, I expect, I expect we'll see a similar team to what we saw in the uh, Carabao Cup in the last round against Leicester. I think it won't be too far away from that, probably, um, which will mean De Bruyne starting to get because I think he's you know he's had a bit of a bit of a rest now after having his fatigue. He didn't play the other night, which. You know, given that he has had this muscle fatigue, is probably a good thing. Uh, but it, you know, it's probably about time to get him a few more minutes, get kind of seventy minutes in his legs. Means we'll have Foden start definitely, and then yeah, rotation. So I, I, yeah, I think I think heavily rotated team uh, is much needed. But there are interesting individuals to kind of pull out, which I think we'll come on to in a minute. Yeah, do you, well, I was going to ask you uh, specifically, uh, Eric Garcia. Do you expect to see him at centre half? Yeah, I think I think probably because I think you know he's probably not going to want to play Stones and Laporte. Um, 
can he play company so soon after that match last night? Um, not last night, the night before, maybe not. Well, he um, came off I as well, didn't he? Company came up, yeah. Company came off towards the end. I don't know whether he was injured, but he, you know, he was signalling to the bench. So, yeah, I would imagine it would be Otamendi and, and Garcia. And then I think it's interesting. Does he play Walker? Because I don't think he's going to. He's probably not going to play Danilo after playing. I think three straight now. Um, and there were rumours before that Leicester game. Um, I mean, I think Sam got handed a team sheet where Sandler was playing right back. And they pulled it last minute and played Walker. So, you know, I think it'll be interesting to see if he because if he if he keeps Walker on the bench again, then you know I think that that will increase the conversation. And then I think the other big thing is now that Brahim is definitely gone, um, and I think he's he's going to be confirmed as a Real Madrid player either this weekend or Monday. We've got a little bit of an issue in that we might have to play one of Sterling or Sane um, because. Ordinarily, I think the, the 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 best thing to do now would be to move Zinchenko actually to something that's closer to his actual position and play kind of wide left. But Delft's still suspended and Mendy's obviously out, so Zinchenko kind of has to play at left back. Interesting. Yeah, is there is there any of those positions that you've got a solution for, Stefan? Particularly left wing without. Um, I, I can't believe Brahim will play if he's if he's going to move this weekend. So. Um, is it just that one of Sterling and Sane has to play? Yeah, yeah, but I, you know, I think we just need to be slightly careful anyway about overdoing overdoing the B team, and um, still got to win the game. And um, I know I don't know anything about Rotherham, but um, you know, teams teams can can do something over ninety minutes and raise their game. And we we don't want one of these situations where we we're chasing the game and actually exerting more because we've we've overdone the weakness of the team. So I don't think it's any bad thing that actually there'll be two or three proper players in the in the starting lineup. Um but actually when you break it down, right now, uh given fitness levels, given the fact we just come off the back of very, very heavy period um of games, uh we've got you know, the squad's not that doesn't look that big at the moment. No, and I think as as Lloyd um, points out there, when when you look at the position for position, and you and you you're trying to basically make eleven changes, I, I don't think this squad at the moment allows us to. Granted, you know the the injury and suspension at left back is a is a big thing on that because Sinchenko could nat- naturally push forward. But um, while we've got a couple of injuries at, and um, Delft suspension, we, we are well. Pep is hampered to a. To a certain extent, um, but to to finish off, um, Lloyd, are you expecting a, a routine, comfortable win? Yeah, I think so because I think I think the team. I mean, look, Rotherham, uh, you know, they they could raise their game, but they're not um, a team like Bristol City were last season, where you know they're in kind of incredible form and they've got a game plan in that they. You know they they press and move it really high that could actually trouble us and I think the team, you know what we've just said I think the team's still going to be strong I think you know we're still going to see a midfield probably of Gundogan Foden De Bruyne we're, we're going to see Mahrez Jesus and you know one of Sterling Sane and okay the the back four might be a bit um, hodgepodge well it won't be terrible that's... will it I mean you know no, we just exactly. said it's probably going to be Otamendi Garcia probably Walker and Zinchenko I mean. That's that's actually a pretty good team. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I think if if we played, if we didn't play Walker at right back, it, it you know it might be, it might look a little bit more second string. But you know, as you know, if you read out those those ten names we've just gone through, then I think that should be, you know, easily strong enough to be a kind of championship team at, at home. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Stefan, same for you. Well, yeah, it should. You know, they are championships. So as long as we don't overdo it, as long as he doesn't, um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't go. um, I don't don't think he's got any options to bring in other players anyway. So I think, yeah, with the team that's extremely likely to play, I think we should win comfortably. Okay. The only the only thing I I just I'd say just on this game is I'm I'm looking at Mares for for this game to really. Try and try and do something because I think he has he has been frustrating um, in recent weeks. And when he's had opportunities in big games, he's really not stepped up. And I do think he's often lending himself to slightly. I don't think he's fully adapted yet from being at Leicester, where he always had to be the main guy and it was everything through him. He needs to realise that he's part of a bigger team where everybody else is as good as him, and he can trust. The others sometimes in situations where he's often, you know, pulling the trigger. So I th- I'd like to see Mares, um, you know, bag a couple of goals and try and reassert himself and put a bit of pressure back on Raheem and, and Leroy. I think that's a good point. I think there's there's two two home games coming up: Rotherham tomorrow, um, Burton on Wednesday, where I'd expect Mares to play in both, and and he it should be filling his boots there and and really making a statement. Um, hopefully, we get that from him, but. Um, is there anything else either of you'd like to add before we, we finish up? Well, just on Mares, I mean, for me, a big part of the Mares thing is actually playing it simpler rather than, than trying to be the, the superstar. Yeah, uh, and, definitely. And uh, one thing that concerns me if he's playing Rotherham and Burton is that he might he might overdo his showboating type, type work when actually I think it's the opposite for me. Uh, you know, some nice, simple, low low crosses into Jesus to, to tap it in would be... Uh, would be far far better uh, coming out of Mares right now, um, you know, setting up Sterling against Southampton, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But let's see what happens. He's, he's got to improve overall. His perform- his overall level of performance has to improve. Yeah, definitely. Lloyd, anything for you? No, that's that's all from me. Okay, well, um, thank you both for today. Um, hopefully, everyone enjoyed the show and enjoyed the look back at what was a pretty good week um, for for Manchester City. Um, So, Lloyd, thank you very much for appearing today. Cheers, Dave. Thank you. And Stefan, thanks as well. Cheers. Okay. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. Um, Keep uh, keep up to date with the the Twitter feed for more shows coming up. Um, And until next time, goodbye. Up the blues.